Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Hey there, WNBA Nation fans. This is Jason Snow, editor here at WNBA Nation. Um, obviously, you guys haven't heard from me in a while. Uh, it's good to be back on mic, even if it's just for the introduction to this interview. Um, so I just wanted to hop on real quick and tell you guys uh, what this interview is, is and uh, also what we've got coming later this week. Uh, so we were lucky enough to be able to get in touch with some people from the Connecticut Sun. Um, and so we set up a couple of interviews. This is the first one of those interviews that we had um, with uh, head coach Kurt Miller. So uh, today you're going to hear from Kurt Miller. Uh, this interview occurred shortly after the draft. So a lot of the questions are going to be about his thoughts on the draft and things like that. And then later this week, we actually talked to both of the Connecticut Sun draft picks. Uh, that episode should be coming out Wednesday or Thursday. You'll be hearing from both Kayla Charles and Juicy Landrum. Uh, so a lot of really good stuff, especially if you're a Sun fan. This is a big week, but it, week, even if you're not a Sun fan, uh, lots of interesting things in these interviews. I think you're really going to like them. Uh, so with no further ado, I'm going to toss it over to Logan. Uh, who is on the phone with Coach Kurt Miller. Hey, Coach Miller, this is Logan Jones with WNBA Nation. How are you doing? Hey, Logan, great. Hope you are well also. You as well. We hope you're, uh, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Uh, so really appreciate you having the time, you know, making the time to, to be with us. Um, we, we talk about the Connecticut Sun all the time on the show. Um, so it's nice that we get to say friend of the show, Kurt Miller now. Um, awesome. and we, we I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I hope, uh, I hope that you'll have me back. Oh, we, I mean, we hope to have you on several times. Uh, we, we really enjoyed, um, the players that you guys took on draft day. Uh, is there, is there anything about those players that, you know, obviously there was something that stuck out to you. What, what were those elements and, and how excited are you to bring in Kayla Charles and Juicy Landrum? Yeah, you know, really excited. Draft night went as well as we could have hoped. Um, you know, we were a little defensive going into uh, the draft, knowing that there wouldn't be a lot of chatter about us, but we we're really excited about our offseason acquisition and Dewana Bonner, the most coveted free agent um, in, in, during the offseason. So we, there was a reason we didn't have um, a first-round draft pick. But as the draft unfolded, um, as I've shared with many people, we, we had Kyla Charles as a potential first round draft pick. And, you know, we had prepared very, very hard, uh, all the way into February when free agency had started, because at that point we still had two late first round draft picks. And so, um, Kyla Charles was someone that was very much on our radar. We believe that she was, she had first round talent. Uh, she's got a pro-ready body. We loved her versatility, uh, the ability to thrive in an up-tempo system. We think she can guard multiple positions. Obviously, at Maryland, she played some undersized four, but also played with particular lineups at Maryland as a three. And so, um, as we, as the draft unfolded and we saw her dropping, uh, she was actually one of the players on the board that we targeted that uh, after the first four or five people, top six people, if any of the next tiers started to drop, would it be anyone that we would try to make a draft day move and move up to get? Uh, we didn't have any takers, 
on trying to move up on draft night uh, behind the scenes in the war rooms. But to our to our luck, uh, Kyla dropped all the way to our pick at twenty three, and so really, really excited to have her and uh, and her join again. Um, the only thing that we can think on why she dropped is she hasn't had a lot of volume three point attempts. She's not a high volume attempt or make three point shooter. Obviously, the game and analytics has gone a lot to three point shooting, but we love her mechanics. We love her. Uh, her touch, not only from 15 feet, but around the basket. So we certainly believe that she's capable of adding that to her game. Awesome. You, you mentioned War Rooms a second ago. What did that look like on, on draft night with everything being virtual this year? Yeah, there was, you know, there's some anxiety leading up to it. I'm obviously at my off season home in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, my three assistants are all in the same apartment complex back in, in Connecticut. Um, but we're all separate. And then my COO and boss, um, that is, you know, just has great experience in the WNBA. Amber Cox is obviously back still in Connecticut. So everybody was in Connecticut other than myself, but we were all, um, individually based. And so it was a little bit of anxiety about technology failures, um, you know, and, and what a virtual draft would look like for the first time. But, it went really smooth. Uh, we were on a Zoom call as a staff the whole time. Uh, my longtime assistant, Brandy Poole, made our selections when we were on the clock, uh, leaving my phone free to discuss any draft day movements with other coaches and GMs around the league. And so um, I had my son, uh, who's a senior in college, on call in case I had a technology failure. Uh, but it all went smooth and all went well that evening. That's that's good to hear. We uh we wondered how you know obviously you're in touch with uh with both girls that you drafted and and Duana Bonner, but how uh how are you going about navigating this off season and and scheduling you know when to actually meet up in person with all the uncertainty going on, not really being able to know when the preseason is even going to start. Yeah, communication is obviously still the key. If you were together or apart. Um, we take the, we've uh, taken a very balanced approach from uh, the Connecticut standpoint. While we're in touch with players individually, and my assistant coaches have formed great relationships with the players, uh, they're in touch with them individually. Uh, we also send out group messages at times. But I think we've done a really good job of leaving them alone also during these uncertain times. Um, I'm, a, a big un, I'm a big unintended consequence person and talk about about that all the time. So, you know, they're not used to having this time with family. Uh, we have two mothers on our team and Dewana Bonner and, you know, Bria Holmes and that extra time with young children um, is invaluable. And so I think we've also done a really good job of leaving them alone to manage this uh, with family and friends and who they're around, but giving them the support that they need. Uh, we're finally starting because training camp would have officially started on Sunday, uh, April 26th. We're now into May. Uh, we are finally going to get together on some Zoom more X's and O's conversations with the team to continue to get basketball on their mind uh, for a potential and hopeful 2020 season. So we're becoming a little bit more formal. Uh, the only Zoom team meeting we really had turned into a Zoom Taco Tuesday kind of fun <laughs> gathering. So uh, other than an April 
Tuesday Zoom where we turned it into an afternoon Taco Tuesday with everybody. We've really tried not to uh, over-communicate with them, um, trying to find that balance between uh, showing support, keeping them updated, staying in touch with everyone at the same time, leaving them alone. Perfect. We Yeah, the show is a big supporter of Taco Tuesday in all its forms. Um, well, I, I can speak yeah. for all, all of my co-hosts. Well, yeah, and yesterday uh, was a, a great Taco Tuesday since, since it was Cinco de Mayo also uh, for us. And my family had a uh, we, – we decided to order out. And the first um, restaurant that we went to pick up ended up losing our order. So we had <laughs> to uh, try a second restaurant, which then – uh, without uh, a pre-order in, obviously waited in line a long time um, <laughs> on Cinco de Mayo. But we eventually got uh, our Mexican food last night and turned it into a Taco Tuesday for sure. Yeah, that that's the sort of thing that really kind of builds a team culture. I, I know culture is a really buzzy term, especially around sports, but how important is that to you and, and what makes Connecticut kind of a different place in the league in that regard? Without question, culture is important to all coaches. Certainly in my time as a head coach, the 13 years at the Division I level, back in college, uh, and then Connecticut, all three uh, programs that uh, I've been the head coach on were rebuilding uh, situations. And uh, I went in with the same approach at all three, from Bowling Green to Indiana University to now Connecticut, was you had to start your culture building, you had to build it from the locker room out. And it didn't matter if it was collegiate or pro, that has been a very successful blueprint uh, for me in my head coaching uh, career. And Connecticut was no different. Um, We needed to rebuild, and we needed to rebuild uh, with a young, core base. And one of the things that I sold early on to our ownership was, if you allow me to grow this and build this together and allow a core group to stay together for three or four years, uh, we could have something special develop and, and happen. And we had always had that 2019 season circled from the moment I was hired uh, before the start of the 2016 season. And, you know, we were just minutes away in game five to win a world championship. Uh, And part of that was allowing that culture to build and grow and the chemistry together. Um, And we pushed our chips in last year. We knew that with eight free agents at the end of 2019, that our roster was going to have to look different, was going to look different in 2020. But it's almost energized us now that there's a new uh, a new time for us. Uh, we're still hungry. We came up just a little bit short. Uh, we still got a chip on our shoulders that we, we at times are disrespected or underappreciated and what we've done over the last uh, three regular seasons. So we're excited uh, about our new pieces. We're excited about uh, infusing some of that new talent. Uh, between our draft picks, between our free agent um, acquire acquiring players, so um, it's always about culture, and uh, it's a big part of the success that I've had as a head coach. Yeah, that's good to hear, uh, and that that really shows. Um, even just just watching you play from afar um, on TV, it, it seems like Connecticut is just one of those franchises uh, in the league that that I think a lot of people want to play for. Um, certainly helps that you guys um, have been successful as of late. 
uh, obviously came very close last year to, to climbing that mountain. Um, definitely wanted to ask you a little bit about that and just how you go about uh, kind of re you know reinforcing to to make another run in 2020 if we're if we're able to have a season. Um, how do you go about kind of recruiting the locker room to to have the energy and the the mental fortitude to make another run? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to attitude, right, and effort. Um, and and do, we had an edge because of some postseason failures and growth opportunities. Um, we had tremendous regular seasons in 2017 and 2018. You could argue that we were the highest scoring team combined over those two years and, and became an offensive juggernaut. But when we went into the second round of one-and-done playoffs and you played against some of the GOATs like Diana Trazzi and Brittany Greiner in back-to-back years in Phoenix, um, you know, playoff basketball is different in a one-and-done situation. And, and through those disappointments, through those, through those exits in the second round uh, to those great Phoenix players – we we were really hungry. We were uh, we wanted to use that experience to you know take the next step, and they certainly did that. But part of that was uh, the chip on their shoulder and wanting to take the next step. So when we walk into a 2020 season, we have to be as hungry. We have to be uh, as motivated and not feel like we arrived. Uh, we've added three pieces through free agency and trades that. Um, we believe bring championship pedigree to us. Uh, Kalina Mascheta Lewis has won championships not only at the collegiate level, but has won at the WNBA level, level with Seattle. Brian January has won a championship in Indiana in the WNBA and then played in that great culture at Phoenix. And then obviously Dewana Bonner has won championships. So we brought in three experienced championship pedigree bringing them in it's about winning for them at this point in their career it's about their legacy and what um you know dewana and in january who are both in their 30s now it's all about winning and it's about cementing their legacy um you know at the tail end of their careers or the back end of their careers so we're excited about that maturity that championship pedigree we brought in but it's all going to come down to our approach our attitude are we hungry uh, it really fueled us in 2019, and we've got to be just as hungry, um, you know, to you know take that one last step in that fourth quarter in Game Five. Uh, we've got to be willing to grind day in and day out uh, to put ourselves in position again to make a playoff run. Absolutely, you mentioned uh, just a second ago, kind of that championship pedigree at both levels. Uh, felt like, felt like women's basketball as a whole was getting a lot of momentum going into the NCAA tournament this year. Um, just a lot of really good teams around the country and no, to me, at least no clear cut number one, although there were, there were a couple contenders that, that were kind of favorites of mine. Um, the, you know, every time the league gets coverage, it seems to do well. The draft this year had more viewers than it's had in, you know, 16 years. And, uh, what does it do? I guess to your, to your scouting process, to the momentum for the WNBA season, to not be able to have the, the, the bracket tournament this year. Um, and did that affect kind of your, your choice in, in draft selections at all? It really didn't uh, change much for us. Um, we were very aggressive. I'm a very aggressive coach at, uh, to watch games in person. Um, obviously until mid February, we still had. 
two first round picks. So we had been out a great deal in non-conference, um, even early in conference play in late December, early January and, and February, we were continuing to, uh, really be out and scout in person. And so, you know, disappointed as anyone to watch a real competitive wide open tournament, obviously, uh, an Oregon team was loaded and, and, South Carolina had established themselves as the number one team in the country. It would have been a great tournament, but I, I, I think it could have been a tournament full of upsets also uh, because um, there was that no clear-cut favor and that you could see on a given night, you know, some upsets. So, but for scouting purposes, uh, no tournament while we missed some of those great matchups and what would be great momentum for women's basketball. Um, really, our scouting was done, and, and by then we had obtained Dewana Bonner and no longer had first-round draft picks. I guess the only thing that affected us is you concentrate certainly a little bit more in person on the Power Five matchups and the Power Five conference teams. The Final Four, which would have taken place in New Orleans this year, would have provided an opportunity for our combines. And that is an opportunity at times to maybe see some of the mid-major people that you had seen less in person or maybe a mid-major person that you didn't get to ever see in person and you did most of your scouting by video or TV opportunities. So, um, you know, that was the only thing that was missing, um, the final four and, and losing out on the combines maybe with a little bit more work on the mid-major players. That also provides an opportunity to do some interviewing in person and, and, you know, getting to know the draft prospects a little bit better. It just forced us to be on the phone a great deal with the draft prospects. And, and my staff and I w- were really aggressive talking to a ton of those potential draft picks. And, and Juicy and Tyler were, were two of them. So, uh, you know, again, you know, very fortunate that we ended up with the draft picks that we did. Well, it's good to hear. Uh, coach, I won't keep you too much longer, but I did want to ask, uh, if, as far as we know, at the time being, there's no plan in place for, for the WNBA season. Um, obviously they're talking about, do we play in front of fans? Do we not play in front of fans? Uh, the NBA is trying to, you know, put something together where they all play in like Disney World for like a month. Um, is, is there anything that you've thought of that might be an option for the WNBA to have a 2020 season and, and kind of safely go about that? Yeah, I just, you know, it's not, I'm not in that. I certainly don't have a seat at the table in those big time decisions, but, um, you know, I want to compliment the WNBA. They're communicating with us, uh, consistently and constantly. We know they're working really, really hard on, modifications and contingency plans, uh, but never, you know, going to sacrifice our health and well-being, not only to everyone associated with our league and all the stakeholders involved with our league, but, you know, also the general public. So I, I, I trust uh, the WNBA leadership. They're just doing a tremendous job. Um, and if there is a way to have a 2020 season, I know uh, that they're working hard to figure that out. Um, you mentioned clean site opportunities. I think a lot of professional sports, not just ba- the basketball world, are talking about, you know, singular locations or clean site locations. And, you know, that has become a new buzzword. And, you know, we'll leave that all up to the decision makers and, and who, you know, figures that out in all sports if that's best. Um, but, 
Uh, we've just got to continue to keep grinding as a coaching staff, as an organization, as players, that if we do have an opportunity to have a 2020 season, that we're ready. And, and that's that's my job as both the GM and head coach is to keep my staff motivated, uh, work grinding like crazy. Uh, it's amazing that I can still find ways to grind for 10 to 12 hours a day and, and still not dent my things-to-do list at times. So, you know, it's my job just to keep everybody motivated and keep everybody ready um, if we get the opportunity to have a season. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned 10 to 12 hours of, of to-dos. Are there any of those things that maybe, like, you, the, you know, people don't see, you know, viewers of the league, they might not understand happen behind the scenes? Um, they have no idea. I mean, and just like when I spent 24 years at the collegiate level and was grinding, 12-hour days, and, and my parents are asking me early in my career, do I also teach classes? And, you know, like, like even your family members at times don't understand what we do. And, you know, like, we're, we're very blessed with passionate women's basketball fans, passionate fans that follow the WNBA. Um, but I think they would be shocked at, you know, how we grind on a daily basis and, and what we still have to do. Um, and you know, it, there's things that are harder when you're separated. You think that delegation would be easier, but wearing the dual hat and half our league wears the dual hat and both the GM and head coach. Um, you know, I can get really, uh, tied up throughout the day in GM duties and not get to my coaching duties. And then there's other days where, you know, you're preparing a lot of coaching staff responsibilities and duties and, you know, and have to put off a day or two some of the GM responsibilities. So without being specific on everything that we do behind the scenes, uh, it is, it is, I'm trying to put down my phone. I'm trying to walk away during these times and take advantage of it that I am living with my son and I've sacrificed a lot of um, you know, family and, and personal opportunities throughout a 30 year coaching career. And so I'm trying to walk away for an hour or two a day, but it's still very, very easy in this basketball world to grind 10 and 12 hours a day. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I, uh, I obviously we, we wish you luck, um, from our show to, to your program. We hope that, that we have a season and that Connecticut performs well. Uh, we appreciate you being on. Is there anything you want to say to Connecticut Sun fans uh, in general before we uh, let you go here? I would just, you know, again, I think I'm blessed to coach in front of the most amazing fan base in the league. Uh, we like to describe ourselves as the women's basketball capital uh, of the world because of uh, UConn's success also that we're blessed to be in a state that really appreciates women's basketball is educated about women's basketball and uh you know just really really fortunate uh to coach in a state like that that really gets it and uh i can't wait uh to the day that we're back with them celebrating with them and and uh and then cheering on uh what i believe uh is a championship caliber roster and so we look forward to getting back to work someday with them we look forward to uh, to seeing that happen, uh, Coach. I'll, I'll I'll let you go, but I just wanted to thank you again for being a part of our show. And obviously, we hope we have you uh, on again soon. Hopefully, when the the there's more to talk about in terms of this season. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Stay safe, stay well to you and all your listeners. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Coach Miller. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Uh, Kurt Miller's an awesome guy. We're excited to have him as a friend of the show now. Uh, hopefully we can have him back in the future. That'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, if you like this episode, please let us know, uh, rate review on iTunes or whatever pod grabber you have. If they have rating, rating and review features, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, you can connect with us on all of our socials at WNBA Nation Pod, um, on Facebook and Twitter. And so if you want to stay in touch with the show, get up to date news, that's usually where we put stuff first. Uh, before we have the chance to run over to our microphones and record. So thank you guys very much. I'm Jason Snow, and we got you next time.